as I look across what we're doing in, in the world that we live in and the things that we are experiencing, I've come to realize that there's very little that a human could say that couldn't be in some way scrutinized by somebody else. I mean, if, you're, if you say one thing, you're wrong. If you say another thing, you're wrong. If you say another thing, you're wrong. If you say another thing, you're wrong. Because opinionally, everybody can have an opinion. Everybody has one. And of course, as we, we are more independently living, we have more people that are subjecting themselves to us through their opinions that we would normally never hear. I mean, uh, this is a truly an internet world that we live in and people from all over the world, people that no one would have ever listened to, thoughts that we would never have subjected ourselves to are currently part of our everyday thinking because we listen to so much that's going on. You have to be very scrutinizing to really come to the point that you can just subject yourself to what's truth. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't even know what truth was if you, I mean, I mean, how would you know? How can you define truth? How do you figure that out? And I just began to think about that this week and just what could you, what's a good word to speak today? And, and this is what I'd like to say to everybody in this room today and anybody listening to me today. I'd like to say this, we need to read the Bible. You know, that may seem like the most simple thing that anybody could ever tell you. And it might not, you know, because when we were kids, we always heard that read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Well, what are we growing in? When we got saved, we were, we were born again into a new kingdom. We're born again into a new system. We are made new. Yeah, we live in a world system, but we're the Christians. We are born again. We have God living in us. He died so that he could live within us. When we accept him, the Holy Spirit comes. And we can't know him, and we don't really know truth. We don't really know direction if we're following something other than God's word. Look at somebody and say, well, from a distance, if you can, or if you've got a mask on, you can look a little closer, but say, we need to follow God's word. I want to start just by just, just, just a small text from, first, from the book of John, chapter 1. The book of John, chapter 1. The book of John, chapter 1. And we're going to read the first four verses here. And we're probably going to end the same way. But listen to what it says here. In the beginning was the Word. To start it all off was God and His Word. We know the Holy Spirit, God, and His Word have always been together. But He's telling us that His Word was at the beginning. In other words, what He said, what He wants done, what He wants accomplished, what His will is, was with Him, He and the will. And the Word was with God, the Word was God. How many understand how important the Word is? And all things were made by him, and without him wasn't anything made that was made. Everywhere you look, everything you see, everything you, you can, all that you breathe, all, all of your life, all consistency is found in the fact that the word of God made it exist. It's the word of God. How important is the word of God? In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus came that we could have life. Real life is found in God. Real life is found in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Real life exists in the Lord. And we have to be careful that we don't, as Christians, leave a foundational principle that exists that's preeminent in our lives. And that is that we have to know the will of God. Listen to Psalm 119. Turn over to Psalms 119 with me. I'm going to read it from a different translation, but you read it in which one, whichever one you have. Psalm 119 says this. It says blessed. The word blessed there means, means happy, fortunate, and to be envied. I mean, that's what I want to be. I want to be fortunate. I want to be happy. And I want to be envied by, by, in the world. 
And just listen to me. I'm going to say this again. The church has a lot of voice as far as God is concerned. And we have to be careful that we don't subject ourselves to worldly views because we have worldly emotions. We deal in emotional self. We get very emotional. And we can preach things and design things that are specifically based on our emotions or the emotions that we feel. We must be careful. We must really be careful to make sure that we don't allow our emotions to determine the word that we hear in a way that we want to hear it. We have to just read the word, believe the word, hear the word. It's, it, it contains its own beliefs. And we shouldn't twist it up to make it say something it doesn't say. But we should not twist it up to make sure it doesn't say what it says. I mean, there are a lot of times that we twist the word and we twist it away from what it actually says. There are things that are described in the Bible, issues that are talked about in the Bible, descriptions and things, lives that we're to live because it is God. I mean, it's in the word of God is God. It created all that exists. It will be here when everybody else is gone. It has been here while everybody else was here. It's going to be here when everybody else is still here and it exists right now today. When you have passed on and you have left this life, the word of God still remains. It will never change. How many know it's good to know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Whatever he did, he's still doing. And whatever he's still doing, he'll be doing tomorrow. Thank God he never changes the same yesterday, today. Not one circumstance changes the Bible, changes the truths of the Bible, changes the concept of the Bible, changes the, 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 all that God wants us to have in that word. And it belongs to us, both good and in some cases bad, meaning that the choices made have to follow the word of God. And for those who don't make those choices, there's a bad result. Amen. There's a bad result. How many believe there's still a heaven? Just raise your hands if you still believe heaven exists. See, I, I believe with both hands. Heaven exists. I believe right now. I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. I've received him as Lord and Savior. And I want to follow him in every way that I can. And I believe if, if I follow the word of God and as I follow the word of God, the result is heaven. If you've asked Jesus into your heart and believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, then you're born again. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm coming to the Father because I know Jesus. Now, let me, let me say one other one. How many know there's still a hell? Raise your hands if you believe there's still a hell. You see, if you don't know Jesus and you don't know the Word of God and you don't follow His principles and you don't go His way, there's an opposite direction. And that opposite direction is really not, I think, more, I mean, if we all know, now understand this, really not about the fact that there'll be torment and torture and, to and all those things that exist in hell, but how many can imagine a world without God? I mean, imagine a world where there was no good, where there was no promise, where there was no hope. I mean, we live in a world full of hope. Every day, you and I believe, and we have hope. And we can have faith and believe to go to that hope. Amen. Healing is ours because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. Salvation is ours because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope in the word of God. But imagine a world where there was no hope. You know, in just this amount of time where we, we're dealing with COVID and dealing with this virus, you know, the church has been somewhat limited. I, I mean, and, and as a pastor, I think every pastor probably feels like I do. I mean, we, we were called to do the ministry. 
We were called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to tell people about the Lord. We're called to, to build the kingdom of God, not only in a person, but in the, in, the, in the entirety of it. I mean, I was called to pastor a church. I've been given a gift. I didn't just supply myself with a gift. I was given a gift. Do you know how frustrating it is? Just imagine how frustrating it is to be a pastor, and the limit of your pastoring is down to the fact that you can't go to the hospital. You can't, you, I mean, trying to get people to come back to church is still based on how they feel about COVID and what's going on in the news. Uh, I mean, trying to get people saved, you can't meet with people one-on-one anymore. It's not like you can walk around and just witness to folks because you can't do that. I'm just telling you, that's a world with God. I mean, that's a world that still has God in it. And yet, the, the, because of the world condition and situation, the church has been extremely limited. And what we didn't do, we're certainly not doing now. And can you imagine a world where there was no God? Where there was no God to say, to, to speak into our lives, where things couldn't get better, they could only get worse? You see, that's the worst part. The absence of God from the human life. If you think some of the things you've seen on the world, we watched a movie last night just about uh, the tragedy that happened in 2004 or 2006 it was when they had the, the, uh, the, 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 the tsunami that came and took out 226,000 people on planet earth in a day. In a moment, 226,000 people perished on earth. Imagine that world without God. Imagine those days without God, without any hope. You see, that's the other end of the extreme. To not know him, to not know his word, to not know what he can give for you. For those of us who have hope, I still believe every day for healing. When I get a ward on my face, I believe healing. Somebody ought to say amen. When my toe is sore, I believe for healing. I've got hope. God will heal me. God will deliver me. I, I, I mean, we have hope. Let me just tell you, last week we drove up to church. I think it was last Sunday. I took my car to Toyota. And so we drove over to Toyota, we got to Toyota, and we wanted to do service on the car, and we wanted to change some things out. They said to me, do you want us to rotate your tires? Well, of course, go ahead, rotate my tires. So they rotated my tires, we got back in the car, and Amy started driving, and all of a sudden the wheels started shaking. Yes, oh, it's all right, amen. And so as the wheel is shaking, she's looking at me, and I'm being a man. I said, ah, it's just one of the tires is out of balance. This is what men think. We'll just go get it balanced. It ain't going to kill us. Just go ahead and drive. So we went ahead and drove with the car shaking. And so when we get to church on Sunday, all of a sudden, one of the men comes walking in to the the church and says, Pastor Steve, where's your lug wrench? That's what's in my car. They said, well, one one of the bear, one of the nuts off of your tire fell off in the parking lot. Fell off in the parking lot. One of the nuts from your car tire fell off in the parking lot. Now, I don't know if that means anything to y'all, but thank God, number one, it fell off in the parking lot of this church. Thank God we had men that would look at the car tire because of a dad who just thought it was a, you know, I thought it was nothing more than a weight. What'd you hit? Looking at my wife. What did you run over? Amen. No, it was more than that. I don't know how far it would have gone, but they went out there and put my nut back on my car. Thank God we didn't lose the nut. And they screwed all the nuts on tight. And it's certainly a whole lot better than it was. It's not shaking like it was. I wonder what would have happened if I didn't have no hope. I wish some people would shout more than that. 
we just don't know sometimes. You just don't know how the enemy wants to come and take you out. He'll want to take you out any way he possibly can because it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Maybe you don't have something to shout about, but every day I wake up, I start thinking about the goodness of God and the favor of the Lord on my life. Do you know how much favor you actually have? Do you understand how God has kept you, how God has protected you? You don't know how God just steers you in the right place and steered you to the right direction and moved you when you didn't move yourself. And you you don't know where you were going to go or how you were going to get there. But God, through his word, steered you and directed you and moved you. Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered. Of, I wish I could get just you that are in this room, at least shout out amen. Will you? Some of you wouldn't have made it. Some of you wouldn't have succeeded. Some of you couldn't have been where you are today. But God in his word have kept you and protected you and watched over you and helped you and he's turned it in your favor. People came and gave you money that you never knew they would give you money. And they supported your businesses. You didn't even know they would support your businesses. Belongings came, possessions came, people. Because God was for you. And if God is for you, it just doesn't matter who's against you. Some of you ought to shout a little bit more. I'm sitting in a room right now. I'm looking at a room, and I'm believing that tomorrow will be the same way as today. I believe nobody in here has had COVID. I mean, you're welcome to raise your hand if you had the disease. Let me know. I don't see no hands. Nobody's been on a ventilator in here this week, last week, the week before. Nobody with pre-existing conditions died in this room. Really? How do you think you got there? How do you think when you went to the store it was still okay? How do you think when you went through the Walmart and you went through the Target and you went through those, how do you think you made it? Because if the Lord is for you, somebody ought to praise him. Thank God. Come on, somebody, praise him. Thank God. Call those things that be not as though they are. Keep speaking God's word. Keep saying what God says. Keep announcing your health and deliverance. Keep believing for health and hope. I walk by faith and not by sight. No, your kids didn't have it. I'm going to give you a minute to praise him a little bit, some of y'all. Come on, somebody praise him. My trust is in the Lord. My faith is in God. Confess it, next week is going to be like this week. And the week after is going to be like this week. I'm going to walk in health and deliverance and healing and wholeness. Come on. Just keep speaking it out. Keep believing. Keep standing. Blessed. Happy, fortunate, and envied. Whew. 
You know, I talked about this Wednesday. I can't help but talk about it. It just, when I see miracles, I just can't help it. And some of them you just know are just, you know, just an only God thing. And maybe it don't mean much to you, but it, it certainly means a lot to me because I know when I get somewhere and God did it, my praise has to be on God. I wish more people understood. I just ride in the car and my family's asked me to shut up about this, but I can't. I got to talk about it. I got to express it. I got to help somebody understand where we were. may not seem like much to you, but if I tell the story again and again and again, maybe somebody will get it. But I remember a year and a half ago, back in April of last year, getting ready for Brian to go to football camp. We started in January with this football coach and just were doing everything we could to make it happen. And I'll be honest with you, from a parent's perspective, when the Lord says he'll give you the desires of your heart, we have to believe it. Now, I mean really believe it. And as we get older, life changes, our age changes. You know, you get to a point where there are just things physically that are not capable. But when you're, when you're dealing with things, you need to look at things from a God perspective. And God can certainly do more than we would ever have expected. I mean, if God could make a chariot, a uh, bunch of people riding on chariots going to a meeting and have a man run faster than the chariots to get there before them then God can do exceedingly abundantly above. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. And I'm just willing to believe that. Every day I speak over my family, speak over my kids, and talk to my wife and say, my kids are going to be super successful. She knows it every day. Super successful. God is going to bless them and anoint them. I don't care what they face. You're not going to go through life without facing some stuff. You're not going to go through life where they don't fight you. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's every day. So anyway, I mean, we started down that path, and we started working out, and it was every day. I mean, I talk about soaking up a man's life. This kid took a lot of that. Just work, effort. So I thought we were good enough. We got to practice. He worked hard. He looked halfway decent. And, and I thought, you know, this is J, junior high. He shouldn't. They, they don't cut people in junior high. Not really, maybe seventh graders, but he's an eighth grader. They're going to keep him, and he'll learn. Maybe this will be an opportunity for him to learn. So anyway, we got started, and, and uh, it just got going. And at one point, it was two weeks, I guess, before they were going to do the final cut. The coach came to him and said, I want you to work harder. You've got to get this thing a little bit better. If you want to play at this level, blah, 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 blah. And Brian said, okay. He went home for two weeks and worked as hard as he could, went back to practice. And when he got back to practice, they started calling him the backup quarterback. Now, if you're a kid... That stuff messes with you. When the coaches call you the backup quarterback and all the kids call you the backup quarterback because he'd worked so hard at it that it was almost, we just kind of, you know, we're praying and believing and you can do this, Brian, work harder, keep working because work goes with it. You know, you have to put effort with your faith. Long story short of it is, is that, that on the final day of cutouts, which was a Friday, the day school started. We were supposed to go and drive up to the school early that morning, look at the list, and we were going to see who made the team and who didn't. They had 54 uniforms in junior high. We were expecting, I mean, I mean, there weren't even 54 kids on the field. He's got to make it. We were just driving up. It was his birthday or somebody's birthday. No, it wasn't his birthday. Whose birthday was? Somebody's birthday. Some event. We were excited because he was going to be able to see all his friends afterwards. And he was, I, my expectation is he's going to drive up and he, we're going to walk up to these people and he's going to be able to tell them he made the team. 
On that Friday, when we drive up to the list, I watch him jump out of the car, run up to the list, and, and all of a sudden, when he turns around, he didn't cry. He's strong. But he wanted to. <laughs> His name wasn't on the list. They had cut him on the final day of cuts for no other reason and only kept 32 kids out of the entire school. They left all the other uniforms un, unfilled. I'm not exactly sure what that was all about. And if I was, I mean, certainly upset about that, I mean, my goodness, these kids are coming up. How can you judge me? I mean, some of these kids already drive cars to junior high. He, that's a joke, by the way. I mean, you know, I mean, he wasn't prepared for all that. He wasn't even physically prepared. I'm saying he didn't have one whisker on his cheek. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's no way that he could measure up to some of the other kids. I mean, he did his best. I was so frustrated. I was so mad. I was so hurt for him. Not for me. I can't ever play football. I'm way overweight and too old. But he wanted it. It's the desire of his heart. And so as we, we, we start pressing through this, I mean, I went to him and one of, the, one of the coaches over there, an older man, he's older, watched him get cut by this offensive coordinator and whatever they did. And he yelled out uh, at one point, well, there's always AAU. You know, I didn't really know what all that was, but I thought, you know, I don't know what, what we're going to do. Is this the end for football for Brian? And I asked him, I said, Brian, what do you want to do? He said, I want to play. And I want to play quarterback. I said, well, Brian, it's going to take everything you can do to make it happen. And so, uh, you know, not only that, but we went that night to an orientation. They wouldn't even talk to him. The coaches wouldn't even talk to him. I mean, it was just one of these moments that was like, you understand what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, we decided we'd keep going. Brian wanted to keep going. I thank God for wanting to keep going. If you keep going. And so we joined the AAU and started working there and started doing other things and started doing this and started doing that. I felt like this year, I watched my son develop and develop and work and work and work. At times, I didn't know if he'd make it. I thought, oh, my Lord, will, will we ever get there? Am I just wasting my time? They'll tell you, I had quit two or three times personally. Amy would say, Amy, I, Amy, I quit at least two or three times, hadn't I? At least. And, and he would not quit. I thank God for that. And so... Uh, I watched him develop, watched him grow, continue to work on it, continue to practice, continue to do what we did. And then it came time that we were going to do football. Well, you know, COVID has messed everything up. And to get to a football program, I know nothing. I really don't know all the extents of the West Florence um, or any of the schools here, how they work. But I knew this, you had to be involved now if they're involved now, because whoever's there now are the ones they believe will be involved later. So they have a practice going on, and they've limited it to sophomores up, and you can't bring your freshmen, and in some schools it was even sophomores, but they would allow specific persons to come under certain conditions because maybe they were important to the team. For instance, a quarterback of a JV team would be invited to the practice because he's probably going to be, or a junior high team would probably be the JV quarterback. So you bring him up with these other guys, train with these other guys, get the playbooks in their hands, work with them, and we'll see if this will all work out. When it comes time to do that, they won't allow my son to come under any conditions. We drove up to the school and tried to trick him. I dropped him off and drove off. And they asked him, what grade are you? And he said, ninth grade. They said, go find a ride. I mean, we're not even looking at you. So you're not even under discussion. That doesn't mean there are other kids under discussion. It's just you ain't. 
And you won't be until sometime in the middle of July. I know that's a problem. I think all schools have started. You understand? I, I think all schools have started. My son is now a week behind, almost two weeks behind on practice. What are we going to do? He's behind. And I had gotten a, a number from, we went and played a, a game and he went for a weekend. We just got invited by this guy to come throw a football with this, this semi-pro team. So we get to the semi-pro uh, uh, practice and Brian threw so well. You could, it was like, look, for me, it was even a miracle. I'm watching, you ever watch your kid do something? You go, oh my God, how do you do that? That was me. It was just, I could, I've never seen anybody throw that good. Not even their quarterback. Their quarterback sat down. Seriously, 14-year-old looked like a pro. I can show you videos that I took. And I'm like, wow, who is that kid? And the guy that was there was one of the coaches at a local high school. He dialed the head coach of the high school. Four other coaches that were there from four other teams started talking to us about him coming to their school. He dials this local coach, the head coach, and says, listen, you got to see this kid. And then all of a sudden I get numbers and all this stuff, and here's a number for the, for the, for the quarterback coach of this team. Call this guy. And so I'm excited now. Well, that's good news. I had hope a year and a half ago. Now I'm starting to see a little bit of faith work. I had hope. You understand? I want to go back to that. He said that we're to be amazing and excellent. And we're to be, we're to be envied by those around us. That God wants us to do this. We are, that goes on to say, we are undefiled, the upright, true, sincere, and blameless in the way of revealed will of God. That we walk and we conduct ourselves in our conversations in the word of the Lord. The whole of God's revealed will. God's word. How I many understand God's word works when nothing else will work? Blessed, happy, fortunate, and envied are they who keep his testimonies, who seek his face, inquire for and of him, and crave him with all their heart. That's what God said about his word. When we involve ourselves and in love ourselves and invite ourselves into his word and invite his word into us and we walk his word out, speak his word out, talk his word and, and continue in that process, we're going to be blessed of God. When we inquire of him, when we crave of him, it goes on in verse 9, it says, How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed on and keeping watch on himself according to the word, conforming his life to it. With his whole heart have I sought you, God. I've inquired for you and of you, yearning for you. Oh, let me not wander or step aside, either in ignorance or willfully, from your commands. Your word have I laid up in my heart that I won't sin against you. Verse 89 says this, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It stands firm as the heavens. His word. Not CNN, not MSNBC, not Fox, not any other news channel, not any other reporter, and not anything. His word. His word is the basis and the source of our life. It's where we live. It's where we breathe. It's where we act. It's where we talk. It's how we think. We cannot let an, let an invasion of societal thinking step above the word of God in our life. Put society down. Put the word up. If God says it, do it. If God has ordained it, live in it. You may feel beat down, but stay with the word. 
Stick with the word. Make your decisions based on the word. Stop conforming the word. If God said we don't live that way, don't live that way. If God says we don't do those things, then don't do them. No matter how unpopular they are, or popular other things may be, stick with the word. How do I know what to do, Pastor Steve? How do I know where to go? How do I know what to believe? Stick with the word. He never lies. Always tells the truth. Come on, somebody shout amen in this room. We stuck with the word. We walked in the word. We confessed the word. But the Lord would not let me call the man. I couldn't understand. I wanted to call. Every day Brian would say, did you call that guy? Nope. Are you going to call him? I think so. And so, as time went on, I just kind of waiting on the Lord and asking Brian, are you sure this is what you want to do? Because this is the change of your life. If we do it, this is change of direction. Ah, oh, it's only a school. I thank God we got the right attitude. The Lord spoke to me on Monday of this week, this past Monday, and said, you get in your car, go pick up your son. He was at the gym. I take him early in the morning. He works out for an hour or a little more over at a gym with one of the members of our church who owns a gym. He said, go pick your son up and take him to the school. Take him to that school this morning. I got no idea what's going on. I said, Brian gets in the car. I said, the Lord told me to take you to the school. He said, really? He said, you're not going to call that guy? I said, nope. I'm going to the school. We walk into the school, and I tell you, if God has ever been anywhere, he was there at that moment. It was like the entire staff of the school had heard about him, had interest in him, had no idea what he looked like. Of course, now that he's six foot tall, he's pretty interesting. And he's bigger, you know. They invited us in, walked us around, treated us like, I mean, just, I mean, it was great the way they treated us. And the Lord worked it out. The principal came and met us. They walked us through several rooms, signed us up for the school. He registered for the school, and they invited him to come practice tomorrow. That was Tuesday. They officially only started their practice on Monday. They had not started their practice. This was the first day of their practice. And God sent me on the first day when all the coaches were there. And God could hook us up with all these coaches. On Friday... They brought a bunch of wide receivers from the school, another quarterback from the school, another major quarterback in, and they brought Brian in to watch him throw a football on Friday. I don't know what the future holds because now his faith's got to go further. But I can tell you from total rejection and heartbreak, God took him to total acceptance and total blessing. And made him to be envied. He may never start again, a a game for a high school. But God took him from being ignored and an outcast. From being set aside for nothing and never known to somebody everybody now knows in that place. And he's accepted. Do you understand? God can take you from a zero to a hero. 
I wish somebody would say amen. I just wish you'd understand. You see, I couldn't have done it. There's no way I could. I couldn't have done any of that. I couldn't have made that happen. But I know what can, the word. The word never fails. The word of God always works when we really believe, when we really stand on the word of God. You can't have a double-minded self. You have to be solical in your living in that dream that God gives you. Because God gives you the dreams of your heart. In other words, he plants his word on the inside. From total anonymity to total acceptance. From total rejection to totally lifting him up. Because he had a desire in his heart. I'm telling you, moms and dads, you believe with your kids. Stand with your family. Stand in their beliefs. We don't always understand how it's going to work out. But God is stepping us in places and letting us touch things. And letting things happen. If I told you the whole story, that's the abridged version of the story. Just to to help people understand how God moves us with his word. There's a tremendous power in God's word. The Bible makes a difference in your life. It gives you God's will. Paul writes it this way in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration. God breathed into into life. It's his life breathed into us. That Bible should be read. I want to encourage everybody at Family Worship Center, anybody that watches me, maybe you should turn off the news. Maybe you should turn off the commentators and the commentary and pick up the book that actually has the answers in it. Come on, it it knows how to bring people together. The Bible has the word of, of, of God in it. It is God's word. How could God's word ever fail in our lives? We need to hear God's word. And preachers, we need to preach God's word. Not our social opinions. Everybody has an opinion. But there's only one opinion that matters. And it is God's word. Stop watching the internet for all your thinking. Listen to God's word. What does God say? What does he say? How do we live? How do we think? How do we acknowledge God? We do it with his word. God breathed word. It's his will for our life. It's his directions for our life. It's his fulfillments in our life. He wants us to prosper. Again, to be happy, fortunate, and envied in the world. How do I get there? Happy, fortunate, and envied in the world by God's word. What will change conditions? God's word. The church must proclaim God's word. It's God's will for my life. What else is the Bible? It's our food. It's the food for the believer, just like we need nourishment in the world, and we need to eat in the world, and we have to have our broccoli and our chicken and our cheese. Amen. We've got to have the word. It's life to us. It's all that we need. It is his life. You need his word. I would venture to say, I think about all of us, and I don't want to embarrass you, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about how much of the word over these 14 weeks Have you really read? I got moans in here. Did y'all hear those moans? I'm not talking about the scripture box that you pull out the little bread 
Anybody ever had that little, you pull out the scripture out the bread? You ever seen that, that little thing on the table you pull out of the scripture? I'm talking about have you read the Bible? Have you read his word? Look, believing Holy Ghost Christians have not read like we ought to read. We have not put the word of God in our lives. We've avoided the word. We've stayed away from the word. Get in your Bible. My suggestion, start at the book of John and read until you get to Revelation. Finish that. Read that entire passage through Acts, through the epistles, through Romans, through the book of John. Then pick up the first part. Then go back and read some of the Old Testament. Maybe read into Psalms and Proverbs. But you need to read the Word. You need to study the Word. I hope everybody in here is sort of yearning a little bit. I think everybody ought to be. You've sat home for three weeks, for 13 weeks, 14 weeks. Many hadn't worked for, I mean, for a long time. We weren't working at all, sitting at home. What did we do for the 24 hours a day during those eight weeks that we couldn't do anything? And what have we done since? And my, my suggestion is, you know why people get their minds messed up? Why you read on the internet and you think, how could they think that way? How in the world could they think that way? Because they don't have a foundation to base their thinking on. And unless the word of God is your foundation, the rest of your thinking will not be straight. Oh, I'm preaching so good. Man, I'm preaching good. Get into the word. Let God stimulate you. Begin to read. And when you do, it begins to turn you on the inside. Your spirit begins to work. And his spirit begins to work in your heart. And it begins to transform your thinking. And what you would allow before. The way you would think before. The things that you didn't have problems with. All of a sudden, you're going to see it. Say, no, there's another way. There's another opportunity. There's another direction God wants to give me. There's more that God wants me to live in. There's, this is not the right thinking. Somebody ought to say amen. And so the word of God is our, our, our will. The will of God is our will. It is our nourishment. It's what we eat. Matthew 4, 4 says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. But by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. The Bible goes on to say this in John 6, 63. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak are spirit. They are life. God's word is our life. If we want to gain life in the spirit, we have to be nourished in our spirit. God's word is the source of life in us. It contains the infinite help of God for our situation and gives us total wisdom. What else is the word of God? It gives us discernment. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4, 2, for the word of God is living and powerful, Hebrews 4, 2, uh, 4, 12, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is living, it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts of a man's heart. It discerns, it causes us to see things we could not otherwise see. It causes us to look beyond and, and, and discern our own activities. Discern our own thinking. Somebody ought to say amen. Our natural judgments are often tainted by the world that we live in. But God gives us emotions and opinions and expresses to us God's perfect will. And we don't violate his will when we know his word. 
God's word cuts through all of that and it separates itself as differently. He said this in Jeremiah 23, 29. It's not my word, is not my word like a fire? And like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? God's word works in us and has full authority. We need the authority of God in our life. Listen to me. This is not some shallow shim-sham message I'm preaching to you. If we want to see life change, if we want to see things turn around, we've got to see people back in the Bible. People have got to go back to the Word of God. And I tell you, church, you need to go back to the Bible. As simple as that sounds, go back to His Word. What does He say? Let Him dismantle wrong thinking. Let Him dismantle our wrong thoughts. Let Him tear down the things we hold as value. His word will restructure us and restrain us and fix our thinking to align with his will. It is his word. How important is it? It is his will. It is his nourishment and power. We can't do without the word of God. We must have him in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. We have to meditate on him. What else does the Bible do? It it instructs us in righteousness. It tells us what being righteous actually is. Yes, I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, but what is that? Here's what it says, Psalms 119.9. How can a young man cleanse his ways, David asks, by taking heed to the word of God? 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness that you and I can be complete and equipped unto every good work. The Bible contains the instructions that we need for life to come to true purity and true righteousness. It teaches us how we can follow Christ in full truth. It contains words and examples and heroes from faith like uh, prophets, apostles, Jesus Christ himself and God himself and instructs us how to live like them. What a better teacher than the word of God. Lastly, or the last two things, the Bible contains the power to overcome. The Bible tells us no word from God ever fails. Luke's 137. Listen, no word. Luke 137. Luke 137. Look at this. I want you to see this. You want success? For with God, nothing is impossible. Another translation reads it this way. It says, for no word from God ever fails. Amen. Come on, somebody. No word from God ever fails. No word from God ever fails. Come on, you ought to say that over yourselves. No word from God ever fails. Luke one thirty seven says that. Another translation reads this way. For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Wow. 1 John 5, 4 reads this way. For everyone that's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. What is faith? Faith comes from the word. Lastly, the Bible is full of God's promises. I want to leave you with this so you'll understand. If we want to go further and we want to do more and we want to have more and we want to experience more, the word of God is full of God's promises. How can I have what God wants me to have if I do not know what he promised I could have? Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. It may be the least of all in terms of importance, but it's certainly the most of all important for your life. Extraordinary promises of God.
It speaks of all the things that belong to God and God-fearing people. Revelation 2.7 says this, He who has an ear, Revelation 2.7, He who has an ear, let him hear the Spirit, what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise and the paradise of God. There's almost an infinite number of promises made to those who believe in God, and those promises are precious and they are ours. God wants us strong and powerful today. Do you want to see what God will do in your life? Then you have to know what the Word says about your life. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. By all means, pick up your Bible, start reading, and get to know the Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld Him. I want to encourage you today, pick up your Bible. Church, pick up your Bible. Pick up your Bible and begin to read it and begin to speak it and begin to say it, begin to do it. And you'll see how God will bring to pass in your life the greatest things you've ever known that could exist in your life. 